Good morning, church. Grace and peace to you from the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to this time of worship at Faith Community United Methodist. It's good to be with you this morning. Uh, I, in worship, I would encourage you to find the attendance pads that are in each of the pews. Uh, they're in the pew racks. Uh, fill that out. Pass it along to others that are worshiping beside you this morning so that we have a record of your presence here in worship with us on this day. Uh, you probably either saw the email that came out this week or have heard from others. It was announced this week that I am being moved to a new appointment. As of February 1st, I will be the pastor at Faith Community United Methodist in Westchester, uh, just north of Cincinnati, and uh, so we will be uh, moving very soon. Uh, the timing of this move was as much a shock to me as, as it is to all of you, but uh, I'm trusting that God is in it for myself and for my family, and I trust that God is in it for you all as well uh, as you prepare to receive a new pastor. Uh, just a little bit about that process. Uh, I do not know who that will be, um, so you, you don't need to ask me that. I don't know, uh, but I can tell you that the district superintendent is working with the staff parish committee uh, to find the right person. Uh, they, the staff parish is meeting with the district superintendent very soon uh, to have a conversation about uh, this church, about the goals of this church, the needs of this church, and uh, being collaborative in finding the right person for you. Um, Chad, jo uh, Chad, Chad Mossing is the, <laughs> is the um, chairperson of the staff parish committee, and uh, he's going to be out in the narthex after the service. So if you have uh, concerns uh, about this process, questions about the process, or just things that you would like to share that the staff parish uh, really needs to have, a, uh, have in mind as, as they receive this new pastor, uh, Chad is, is uh, welcoming and encouraging you to talk to him after the service today. Uh, so uh, have that conversation today, and uh, they will uh, move forward with that process of, of finding the new pastor. The announcements are in your bulletin. There's an announcement about the Men of Faith uh, meeting tomorrow evening, so uh, note that. Uh, some other announcements there for your, for your attention. Uh, so just take that home with you so that you have that word of, of what's going on in the church. We come together to offer God our worship and praise, so let us be in that spirit of worship as the choir presents the music of the intros.
it's nice to have the choir back, isn't it? Uh, if, if you are able, please stand for the call to worship that's printed in the bulletin. Come all who have known gloom and anguish. Come all who have walked amid terrors of the night. Sometimes we have felt oppressed and forsaken. Our losses seem greater than we can bear. God is our light and our salvation. God is our stronghold. We need not fear. Enemies lose their power when we look up to God. We come now seeking God's face. Come, behold the beauty of our God. Come to find shelter in a day of trouble. We will sing and make melody to God. We will dare to lift up shouts of joy. And our shout of joy this morning, the opening hymn, is God of Grace and God of Glory. They'll be up here on the screens or number 577 in the hymnal.
be seated, and if you would join me in our opening prayer as printed in the bulletin. Let us pray. Turn our lives around, God. Help us to identify in ourselves those parts of us that need to change if we are to experience your joy. Too long we have shunned the light, afraid of what might be exposed. Too long we have avoided people with whom we have a quarrel, refusing to build bridges across our differences. Save us from ourselves so that we might enjoy your realm. Amen. It's the children's moments. If you guys want to come up and meet me there, I'm going to try to get this microphone to work. need help with stuff like that. Okay. Oh, everybody's coming up and sitting down. I love it. Can I just scooch through here? Okay. Great. Now, we're talking today a lot about light. You know about light. And when it's there's no light, there's darkness. Yep. Darkness is kind of scary, isn't it? Yeah. So what do you need to do when it's dark to make it light? Does this work? Yeah. That'll get rid of the darkness, won't it? There's a couple of other things. Candles. Candle makes it light. Right? Yeah. Now I have another candle here, and hopefully this is going to work. Oh, cripe. Thank you. Let's see if I can get this to light up here. Oh, these worked at home. Oh, there it is. A little bit of light. This light says, God is light. And in him, there is no darkness at all. And another thing that we do with light is the acolytes, these two guys here today, bring in the light. Don't they? They come walking down the aisle. They bring the light and the light of God into our church. That's the symbol of the light. And they light those three candles. One's for Jesus, one's for the Holy Spirit, and one's for God. And then at the end of the day, at the end of the service, they're going to take the light back out as a symbol for us to take the light of God out to the world. That's what those acolytes do. So can you say a prayer with me? God, thank you for the light that you have in our lives. Thank you for the light that these children represent. Thank you for the families that raise these children. Give them strength and courage. Give us all courage to go out and shine the light of Jesus to the world. Amen. 
Now you guys get to choose which one of these you'd like to have. Thanks, guys. Thanks for coming up. I hope I have enough in Thank there. You, uh, looks like I do. You're welcome. We have the privilege of uh, joining together in the sacrament of Christian baptism this morning, and so I'm going to invite uh, Morgan and Morgan's family, those who are standing with her this morning, uh, presenting her for baptism to come forward at this time. Come on up here and join me at the behind the font here. Yes, right, right behind the font here. <laughs> right in the middle. There you go. There you go. That's great. That's great. Let's see. Let's see where I can get out of the way here. <laughs> Brothers and sisters in Christ, through the sacrament of baptism, we are initiated in, into Christ's holy church. We are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation and given new birth through water and the Spirit. All this is God's gift offered to us without price. On behalf of the whole church, I ask you who present Morgan for baptism, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? If so, say, I do. Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? If so, say, I do. Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in his grace, and promise to serve him as your Lord in union with the church which Christ has opened to people of all ages, nations, and races? If so, say, I do. And according to the grace given to you, uh, will you nurture this child in Christ's holy church? that by your teaching and example she may be guided to accept God's grace for herself, to profess her faith openly, and to lead a Christian life. If so, say, I will. Do all of you, Christ's body, the church, reaffirm both your rejection of sin and your commitment to Christ? If so, say, we do. Will you nurture one another in the Christian faith and life and include this child now before you in your care? If so, say, with God's help, we will. water here. Let us pray. Eternal Father, when nothing existed but chaos, you swept across the dark waters and brought forth light. In the days of Noah, you saved those on the ark through water. After the flood, you set in the clouds a rainbow. When you saw your people as slaves in Egypt, you led them to freedom through the sea. Their children you brought through the Jordan to the land which you have promised. In the fullness of time you sent Jesus, nurtured in the water of a womb. He was baptized by John and anointed by your spirit. He called his disciples to share in the baptism of his death and resurrection and to make disciples of all nations. Pour out your Holy Spirit to bless this gift of water and she who receives it, to wash away sin, to clothe in righteousness throughout her life, that dying and being raised with Christ, she may share in his final victory. Amen.
Morgan, you want to stand right up here? Morgan Cage, right? Morgan Cage, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit work within you that being born of water and the Spirit, you may live as a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ all the days of your life. Amen. And now it is our joy to welcome this new sister in Christ. Will you join me in the congregational response? Through baptism, you are incorporated by the Holy Spirit into God's new creation and made to share in Christ's royal priesthood. We are all one in Christ Jesus. With joy and thanksgiving, we welcome you as a member of the family of Christ. All right, before you go back, I have a few things here for you. For your, for your parents, I have this certificate. And then for you, I have this uh, little Bible for you. And this lamb for you, gifts from the church, so that you can remember this special day. <laughs> All right, she loves it. Okay. <laughs> All right, thank you. You can go back to your seats. Let's, let's welcome Mark. Our prayer hymn is uh, number 206 in the hymnal, I Want to Walk as a Child of the Light. Let us sing together in prayer.
pray. Shine in all our hearts, Lord Jesus. May your light illumine our way to reveal those places of darkness within us that we might be transformed by you and conformed to your image. Show us the way that we should go. Place your light before us, leading us on that path. Lord, we thank you for our faith in you, for the knowledge that you are with us through all of the trials of this life. Lord, strengthen us through the trials that we face even now. Strengthen those that we think of in prayer now and that we lift to you as we remember the struggles that they faced, asking you for healing, asking you for grace and mercy, asking you for courage, asking you for patience. Lord, whatever their needs are, whatever our needs are, we know that you are faithful to respond and to give us all that we need for the flourishing of life in your presence. Lord, be with this congregation as they prepare to receive a new pastor, and may you be leading that whole process. Lord, I know that you have the right person in mind already, and so help them to just be welcoming and encouraging and supportive of that person. May we see your glory work through all of these things, even when we don't understand why or how they come about. We know, Lord, that you are sovereign, and we trust you in all things. We pray for the children of this congregation, for Morgan and for all of the other children that uh, are received into your family, that they, through the ministries of this church, might truly come to know you as Lord and Savior. And Lord, even for us adults, we know that we haven't always put you first. And so we pray that you will continue to guide us as we continue to learn to trust you as Lord and Savior. Be with all of us in Jesus' name as we offer you our worship and as we offer to you now the prayer that Jesus has taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. We continue to worship through the giving of our tithes and offerings as the ushers come to wait upon us.
please join me in the prayer of dedication. Holy God, your caring moves us to care, and your mercy moves us to kindness. Your justice stirs us to work for the oppressed, and your humility causes us to desire no reward for any deed. Use these gifts according to your compassionate will. We pray in your name. Amen. Please remain standing for the reading of the Gospel. The Gospel lesson this morning comes from the book of Matthew 4, verses 12 through 17. It's about Jesus beginning his ministry. Now, when he heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee, and leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Quote, The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and the shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. End quote. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Jesus is here. 
Now, when you have been arrested, that's where today's reading begins. And if we back up a bit, we can get a general sense of the context for that statement. Last week, we heard about Jesus coming to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. That took place probably at the southern end of the Jordan River, where it runs into the Dead Sea, not too far from Jerusalem and Jericho. This is where the Hebrew people had crossed over the Jordan to enter the Promised Land so many centuries earlier, after God had delivered them from Egypt. Jesus came to that same location, the place where the Israelites had memorialized their salvation with stones in the river to mark the place of their deliverance. Jesus came there to initiate a new type of deliverance, a salvation that comes from having one's sins washed away. Just after he was baptized, in the very next story, Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to fast and pray for 40 days. That time of fasting in the wilderness was probably on the other side of the Jordan, the same wilderness land where the Israelites had wandered all those years before. Jesus' 40 days there, mirroring the 40 years that the Hebrew people had spent in that wilderness land, There, Jesus was tested by Satan, facing the same temptations that faced the Israelites back then and that tempt us still today. Matthew doesn't tell us how much time passed or how much distance was traveled between that contest with Satan and our reading for today. Matthew simply moves from that story to this one with the words, Now when he heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. I think it's safe to assume that this story begins just after Jesus returned from his 40 days in the wilderness. He comes back to the Jordan, back into the Holy Land, and finds upon his return that John has been arrested. So Jesus withdrew into Galilee. But Matthew shows us that this return of Jesus to the land of his childhood was more than simply a matter of safety or strategy. This was a matter of prophecy. Matthew sees in this return to Nazareth a fulfillment of Isaiah 9, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light, and for those dwelling in the region in shadow of death, on them a light has shined. Galilee of the Gentiles, that's what Isaiah had called it, and Matthew repeats that in quoting Isaiah. The region was often referred to like that, Galilee of the Gentiles. Now technically, Galilee was not Gentile territory. It was part of the land promised to Abraham and conquered by Joshua. It was fully a part of Israel, and as such, it would have been considered Jewish territory, But it was among the northern regions of the northern tribes, far separated from Jerusalem. There were just as many Gentiles living in the area as Jews. Not that they intermarried or mixed religions the way those in the middle regions did. That's where the Samaritans came from, the blending of Jews and Gentiles together. In Galilee, the Jews still maintained their distinct identity and the purity of their religion. This is, after all, where the Holy Family came from. It's where Jesus grew up. It's where he called his first disciples. To them, it was definitely Jewish land. 
But they lived side by side with so many Gentiles that the land was often called Galilee of the Gentiles. And they were so far removed from Jerusalem and Judah, with Samaria lying in between them, that to the power structures of Judaism, Galilee seemed like a land of deep darkness. What some people today might call living out in the sticks. A lot of people like living out in the sticks. There's good, faithful people living out there. But to those who want to be in the center of everything, where everything is happening, where all the action is taking place, living in Galilee would be like dwelling in a region and shadow of death, as Isaiah put it. Zebulon and Naphtali, those were two of Jacob's sons, when the promised land was divided between the twelve tribes of Israel, the region given to Zebulon and the region given to Naphtali, this is the area that eventually came to be known as Galilee. The town of Nazareth was in the region of Zebulon. The town of Capernaum was in the region of Naphtali. That is why Matthew shares the detail that on Jesus' return to Galilee, first he went to Nazareth, and then leaving there he went on to live in Capernaum, So that, Matthew writes, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has shined. As Matthew points out, this prophecy was fulfilled Light shined on the region, not just in the fact that Jesus grew up there, but in the fact that he began his public ministry there. Luke records Jesus preaching his very first sermon in his hometown of Nazareth. Matthew doesn't record that sermon. He doesn't record any of Jesus' public preaching until he gets to Capernaum. And the first public proclamation that Jesus makes in Matthew's Gospel the very first word that he preaches, repent. Repent. Now this is not the first word that Jesus speaks in Matthew's Gospel, but it's the first word that he preaches to the crowds. Last week we heard him say to John, when John would have deterred Jesus from being baptized, let it be so now, for it is thus fitting to fulfill all righteousness. But there he was only speaking to John. In the passage right after that, Jesus spoke three times to the devil, each time quoting scripture in response to Satan's attempt at hijacking his mission. There he was speaking only to Satan. Here is the first time in Matthew's gospel that Jesus preaches to the crowds, the start of his teaching ministry. This is his first recorded sermon in Matthew. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It sounds like a sermon that John the Baptist could have preached. In fact, John the Baptist was preaching that very thing. He proclaimed a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. John the Baptist's very first words in the Gospel of Matthew are identical to Jesus' very first public proclamation. Matthew 3, 1-2. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, Repent! For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
That's what John's witness was all about. It's what he was constantly telling people to do, repent. But I want to tell you that when Jesus preached this nine-word sermon, word for word, the same as what John had been preaching, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, there was a whole different connotation behind it when Jesus preached than when John preached the very same thing. John and Jesus did not call people to the same kind of repentance. I don't mean that they intended two different things by the word. Repent means repent. And it doesn't mean just feel bad or guilty or beat yourself up or say, I'm sorry, over and over again. Repent means turn around. Repent means change your life. Repent means stop sinning and start living for God. John and Jesus both knew that. John and Jesus both meant that. They were both calling people to give up their past and to live anew according to God's ways. But here's how they were different. John was calling people to repent in order to prepare themselves for the kingdom that was coming soon. Jesus called people to repent Because the kingdom is already here. He brought it with him. The kingdom had already come to them. Now they must change to live by kingdom rules. John called people to repent while they were still living in darkness in order that they might be able to see the light. Jesus called people to repent because they had seen the light. They had seen it in him. Jesus is the light. The light had already dawned on them. Now they must change to remain in the light. True repentance is not the condition for salvation. It is the response to salvation. True repentance is not the condition for salvation. It is the response to salvation. That, That might seem like a technical difference, a matter of semantics maybe, but it is a significant difference. Many people present entry into the Christian life along the lines of John the Baptist. That is to say, they claim that first you must repent, first you must turn yourself around, clean yourself up, get yourself right with God, then you can receive the salvation Jesus brings. The problem with that is it puts all of the onus on us. It makes salvation about me, my work, something that I can make happen. That idea runs contrary to the whole of the New Testament. Salvation is by God's grace alone. There is nothing I can do to make me worthy of Jesus. Nothing I can do to force God's hand. Nothing I can do to merit salvation. Salvation is nothing but the gracious choice of a loving God who pours himself out for me despite my unworthiness. God proved his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were yet sinners. While we lived in darkness. While we dwelled in the region and shadow of death. Before ever we thought to repent. Before ever we knew we needed to repent. God came to us in Jesus Christ. On them, a light has dawned. That's not to say that repentance is unnecessary, that there's no need for us to be changed. Of course we need to be changed. We are sinful. We are 
unclean. We are unholy, unworthy of the kingdom of heaven. We are those who have dwelled in the land of deep darkness. That's why Jesus' first public proclamation of the gospel begins with the word repent. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus was not suggesting, however, that you must clean yourself up before the kingdom will come. Rather, he has brought the kingdom to us And now that he has, we can start to live by it and for it even now. Jesus did not mean that we must stop sinning before he will save us, but that he has saved us and therefore we can turn away from our sin. Jesus never said that we need to get it right before he will show us the light. He shows us the light so that we can get it right. We don't need to fix ourselves before he offers his grace to us. He gives us his grace in order to fix us. Saying to someone that they need to repent before God will save them is like saying you need to fix your car before you take it to the mechanic. You need to get healthy before you can go to the doctor. What kind of sense does that make? Now, someone will say repentance doesn't mean perfection. Of of course, you can't make yourself perfect, but you have to at least want to be made holy. You have to at least be willing to, to turn away from sin, and then Jesus will help you do it. To that, I say, first of all, repentance doesn't mean just wanting to turn around. It means actually turning around, which you cannot do without the grace of God. I say, secondly, you can't even want to turn around until the light of Christ has dawned upon you, revealing to you that you are headed in the wrong direction. The call to repentance falls upon deaf ears when it is proclaimed to those who have not yet received the grace of God in Jesus Christ. That is why the ministry of John the Baptist by itself wasn't enough. He was right in preaching that people need to repent, that they are unrighteous, that their lives are unholy, that they are not fit for the kingdom of heaven, that they need to be washed of their sin and begin to live by God's word. But he was calling them to do something that they could not yet do. He was calling them to something that could only be fulfilled in Jesus. When Jesus came preaching those very same words, The message was this. Now is the time. Now is the time. Now you can repent. Now you can truly turn around because Christ's grace has been given to make you do it. Now you can turn to the light because the light of Christ has dawned upon you. Now you can live for the kingdom because Christ has brought the kingdom to you. Let me tell you why this matters. We need to understand that that the grace of God in Jesus Christ comes prior to our repentance for two very important reasons. The first one is this. Who does this call to repentance go out to? Who is it that needs to be told to repent? It's sometimes very easy for us Christians to think that it's those awful sinners out there that need to repent. We who have seen the light need to tell them what is wrong with their ways and where they are headed if they don't turn around. 
Well, there is truth to that. There is some need for that. That was the ministry of John the Baptist. That was the repentance he was preaching to people who had not yet seen the light. But Jesus came as the light, and to people who had seen the light of truth in him, he said to them, repent. In other words, he's calling to us. To us. Not not just to the sinners out there, but to the Christians in here. Repent. You have seen the light. That's great. That means that you can now see clearly where there is still darkness in you. You have seen the kingdom of heaven in our midst. That means that we can measure the ways and the principles by which we live and know where we don't line up. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. Not in order to save yourself, but because you have already been saved by Christ. And now, by the grace of God, you can see clearly how he wants you to live in response. The call to repentance is to everyone in this room. Everyone in this room. No matter how long you have been a Christian, no matter how far advanced you are in your walk with Christ, still there are things that don't measure up. Actions, words, desires that are not right. Jesus is calling you, repent. Turn around. Shun those ways. Shun those thoughts, those deeds. Make a change. Live for Him in every aspect of life. Here's the second reason it matters deeply that that the grace of God goes before our repentance. Perhaps you've been trying to change and getting nowhere. Perhaps you feel guilty, frustrated with yourself, shamed because you just can't seem to ever get it right no matter how hard you try. Be patient with yourself. And trust God to do the work in His time. It's not up to you to fix yourself. It's up to Christ. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. Rest in Him and let Him take control. Be forgiving of yourself. Because God has already forgiven you in Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean to wallow in your sin. That doesn't mean make excuses for your sin. It means trust God with your sin and with your salvation. As you learn to lean more on Him and less on yourself, the Holy Spirit will do that work of transformation within you. When light dawns, repent. Because the light of Christ shines upon us, we see that we need to change. Because the grace of Christ is within us, we know that we can change. Not by our willpower and our strength, but by the work of the Holy Spirit. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Let us pray. Oh Lord, you call each one of us to repentance. Shine your light in us 
that we may know where you are trying to change us, Lord. Help us to turn away from those, those areas of our life that do not measure up to your holy standards. Work your Holy Spirit within us to turn us around, to set us firmly on your path. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our closing hymn is number 359 in the hymnals. I invite you to stand as you are able as we sing together, Alas, and did my Savior bleed.
Christ has shined the light of his love and his grace upon us. Let us turn from the darkness to his marvelous light and live in that light now and forever. Go in the name of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you.